You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. Hi, I'm Tim Robertson, and this is MyMac podcast number 232. This week, Guy Searle and Mark Rudd are going to join me for the entire show. We're talking about iPhone 3.0 and all the new features, a look at the system profiler. It's on every single map, Mac, and you guys need to know about it, especially if you're a new Mac user. It's going to tell you what Mac you have and all the information you're going to need to know. And finally, the new buttonless iPod Shuffle. Really? No buttons? Thanks for downloading. Enjoy. And thanks for downloading the 232nd weekly podcast from MyMac.com. I am Tim Robertson, the host of the show, and I'm joined by two people today, Guy Searle. Hello, Guy Searle. Hello, Tim. Hello, everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I messed up the schedule so bad. We were supposed to have David Cohen on this week, um, and he was going to make it but later. But scheduling conflicts, it was all my fault. We couldn't have uh, David from the U.K. on this week, and he won't be on next week either. But we do have Mark Rudd. Hello, Mark. Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? You're, you are the hero of the hour, Mark. <laughs> Save well, you know, I've, collective you know. butts. Guy and I <laughs> were sitting here trying to figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to rearrange and what we're going to talk about because the schedule just wouldn't work what the segments are going to be this week with just Guy and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, the segments, of course, is going to be iPhone 3.0 software, which right. Guy hasn't really boned up on because he doesn't have an iPhone and he doesn't really care about it. Yeah. So uh, I knew David was up to date on it, and uh, I, I, what am I going to do? Well, of course, exactly. Mark, you are an iPhone guy. I know you follow the news, so mm-hmm. you are the hero today. Hey, just call me the unnamed watchman. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Rudd. let's start That's there. Right. Let's start there with the iPhone 3.0 software. Big event this week. Apple rolls out what all the features are going to be in the new iPhone I don't know. I, there's a lot of things in there, Mark, that look intriguing to me. Of course, as an owner of a first-generation iPhone, I'm a little bummed out that two of the features are not going to work for me. But right. that's just the way it is, I guess. So which two features are those? I won't be able to do MMS, and I won't be able to do, uh, what was the other one? Oh, the uh, Bluetooth stereo right. stuff. Right. It's got a different and radio chip in it than exactly. the new one. But that... Uh you know, with with all those things noted, you know, some of the big things, and of course we've talked on this podcast, as has been spoken of in many other podcasts, you know, some of the major features are, are now coming uh, for the 3.0 version. Of course, cut, copy, and paste. There was right. a great applause for that, of course. And uh, and I, I really like the implementation of cut, copy, and paste. You know, it's going to go not just within, obviously, the Apple apps, but across every app, third party, and, and all of those. I particularly, I'm not sure how we want to go about this. Do we want to look at some of the settings or some of the features, or do you want to do you, have, you want to go down the list? How do you want to do it? Uh, we're just going to go down the list and talk about whatever come, pops up into mind. Let's start at copy and paste. Um, I, you know what? I honestly, I've never got the cut part. Cut, yeah. copy, and paste. I never use cut. Does anybody use cut? Don't you just don't select either. text and delete? Who uses I, I, cut? Yeah. Yeah, I don't use cut at all. I, I can tell you that the copy and paste is going to be heavily used by me. I can't see, tell you how many times that I've wanted to have that, and, and now that's a biggie. But I don't even think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, for me, I'm I'm really excited about the using my iPhone as a, this sounds silly, as a GPS, turn turn by turn, 
directions are coming to the iPhone. Um, of course, you've got to bring your own maps, but that's not going to be a problem for companies like TomTom right. Tom and some of the other ones. So I'm excited about that. You know, TomTom Tom had already said uh, that when the first iPhone, well, I'm sorry, when the second iPhone came out, the 3G, that they were pretty much ready to go from day one with software for it. They they were raring to go. They wanted to get out there. And, of course, Apple said no turn-by-turn navigation on the iPhone. So it effectively killed that for them. Now I have to assume that they're chomping at the bit. They want to get some of that iPhone money. Oh, yeah. I, would antici- yeah, I would anticipate that that's going to be one of the first uh, apps that we see coming in to the App Store when they roll that thing out. You know, um, just digressing from the from the features for just a minute, one of the things that really, as I was watching uh, the live blog of the uh, event, one of the things that really stood out to me is <laughs> Apple has really uh, stolen the pre's thunder. Yeah, yeah, uh, it does seem that way, doesn't it? You know, they, they have, uh, there's a lot of buzz around the pre right now, and, uh, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about it, excited about it. But I'll tell you, for me, the things that Apple has noted that will be in, and of course now there's been a little bit of hacking underneath the beta uh, that people are working with to see that there's some actually other things that Apple didn't talk about that might be out there as well available when it comes out. But I think all of the areas for me, and, and, and just kind of going off of the highlights for what I wanted to see, I wanted to see copy and paste. I wanted to see, of course, sorry, Tim, the, the stereo Bluetooth. That's something that I'll use. I wanted to see the uh, turn-by-turn directions for the GPS. That's going to work out a lot for me. And, and one of the cool things that I like is the new peer-to-peer connectivity that will allow games and contacts and other things to be able to sync up iPhone to iPhone. That seems pretty cool to me. I'm wondering how that's going to work. Is it going to work over the Internet, or is it going to work only uh, on the local area network? They have two, two, two uh, utilizations of it. There's going to be a peer-to-peer IP connection, and then there's also going to be a local Bluetooth connection, if I understood the documentation correctly, wherein the, that if you set up a game and you wanted to go play somebody locally, then via the Bluetooth, it would search out all of the local iPhones and find out if somebody's there that has that application running that game, and then it would then you could send them an invitation and invite them to play against them. You know, I think it would be pretty cool with the uh, the IP network to network connection. A, a game, say, like a Mario Kart type of game, oh, you yeah. can literally have a chat room where you, when you first log into the game, that's where you go. And you find your opponent. You're talking to people. Hey, you want to race? Okay, you and me. You click that person's name, and the game starts. And mm-hmm. it's you against that person. That could be pretty interesting. Uh, I do wonder if it's limited to uh, one-to-one, or can you have five or six people in the same game? It would probably okay. depend on the game itself, and and you know how many, how much um, bandwidth would be required to keep everybody updated on the progress of each person in the game. I yeah, I, I I can imagine that working in a in a game. I, I was just noticing that there's a new uh, iPhone version of an iPod Touch version of Metal Gear Solid for those old school fans of that game. Uh huh. And. I was looking at the screen caps of that man. That thing looks beautiful. It does. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you could do a peer-to-peer over IP connection and get a few different guys in there playing together? I mean, wow. Well, they do have multiplayer stuff up there right now. I know for a fact that the Watchmen game, which I hear is really, really bad, yeah. um, but I heard that that's multiplayer. You can have multiple people roaming the city and stuff like that. That's unbelievable on, on a on a phone to be able to do that. Right, but, uh, but that's Wi-Fi connection. I mean, for yeah. instance, someone in our chat room is saying that uh, Posimotion has Wi-Fi pool already. 
So this isn't nothing new as far as what games are able to do, but it does open up the technology, the IP inside uh, the development platform for companies to just build this right in. And it's going to be a lot easier to do than writing peer-to-peer from ground up within your application. Now, now, there's been, Go ahead. There, I'm sorry. There's been, it's been a little more than a year since the original SDK was released, and there's already, what, 25,000 apps now, with with all of the all of this new framework that Apple's putting in place with the the three beta, um, do you do you believe that that a lot of people that haven't yet gone into iPhone development will j- jump in with both feet? Mm, I don't know. What do you think, Mark? My opinion is that this is going to bring developers in that maybe had resisted, and maybe some that were thinking about. You know, if they were with Apple, maybe jumping ship and starting to develop for the for the pre, because you know that they're really trying to get a lot of developers in right now. I think these elements that they're adding to the uh, the SDK and then 3.0 will uh, will will keep the ones who are firm, but will also bring new people in who are kind of debating on whether to go with pre, uh, the Palm pre, or to to go with uh, Apple development. So I, 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 I think can't imagine there's step. too many developers out there that's planning on developing on the pre that's not already. On the iPhone, I mean, it, it's it's a proven infrastructure. There's already customers, uh, and if you remember back, you know, the Android stuff had a whole lot of attention when it was first announced. And that phone is out there, and it's it's a dud because the hardware that it's running on, frankly, sucks. And that's no, the it, problem with OSs like the Google Android platform that it runs on multiple phones. Right. Whereas the I, Pre is going to run on one phone, just like. Apple yeah, software, yeah. So and they've I don't really know. spent a lot of time trying to get the the feel of the pre. According to what I've read, I haven't really seen anything. There's a couple of videos out there, but they really work to try and get the the feel of the pre, and of course the the interface for their uh, internet client, you know, their uh, browser, yep. uh, to to work a lot like uh, the Apple, the iPhone browser. And and I, but that the problem is going to be is. You've got all these developers already on the iPhone platform. You have the whole infrastructure of iTunes, which I think is is the you know the magic bullet yep. uh, for the Apple product, and and that's clearly not going to be in place for the pre. So there'll be some buzz, there'll be some sales, but I think it's going to die down like Android did ultimately because you don't have everything else that goes with it, the full turnkey system. You know, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I, I was listening to a lot of developers wanting and a lot of users wanting was demos of products that you could get on the iTunes store or the app store so they don't have to develop two different things they wanted uh you know if you come out with a pretty good game you don't want to have to release a light version and a full version that's just kind of a big pain in the butt well one of the new technologies and i i don't i haven't heard anybody else mention it this way but one of the new things that you could do is uh in-app purchasing so let's say a company comes out with a game now, free, Apple says, free will always be free. In other words, if you come out with a free application, you cannot add in-app purchasing to that app. Later. But if mm-hmm. Exactly. But if a company comes out, say Metal Gear Solid, and they give you one level for free, or for 99 mm-hmm. cents. Right. So you play, you get to the end of that level, and a little thing pops up and says, would you like to buy the full game? Click here. That's there in the application itself. Mm-hmm. You click buy, boom, it unlocks the rest of the game, you're good to go. That's yeah. kind of like a beta. Of course, it's, it wouldn't be free, but ninety nine cents. This, you know, it, it, right now, if Metal Gear Solid was ninety nine cents, I would go buy it. 
But it, yeah. what is it? Seven ninety nine, nine ninety nine. Yeah. I'm not even I, yeah, sure. I thought it. Yeah, eight, seven or eight dollars. Yeah, you know? I was like, eh, I'll hold out till I see some reviews of it, and because you know, that's kind of a commitment for me on the iPhone. But um, I agree with you. If you if they could do it like a ninety nine cent, you know, where you get a game with it, or what, or buck ninety nine even, and you get the first level or whatever, then you let the game sell itself. Exactly. If it's a good game, then you know people are going to buy more. Absolutely. So, I, you know, in some respects, that's a, a much better solution. But in others, it's not really. Yeah. Um, go, go ahead, guy. Guy, you had a comment. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say, don't you think that that possibly you guys are a little spoiled by the the low prices in the iPhone store? Metal no, Gear because Solid, no. Metal Gear Solid on almost any other platform that that is it a runs good on game. is is like a thirty to fifty dollar game. Yes, but you got to you got to remember a game like Metal Gear Solid on the iPhone is going to be limited in very many ways. I don't think first-person shooters or even third-person shooters have done particularly well. I'm not talking about sales. I'm talking about execution on the iPhone. I'm still not convinced that a touchscreen is the best way to control a game uh, because, for obvious reasons, your fingers get in the way of gameplay. Yeah. Um, with a game like Metal Gear Solid, I'm sure it's going to be a pretty decent game, but is it as good as something that I can get on the PS3? Absolutely not. Is it even as good as something I could get on a P, uh, PSP? I don't know. So I'll wait for the reviews. Now, I didn't say I wouldn't buy it because of the price, but when the price does get up there, guy, then I get a little frugal with my money. I wait till I start seeing some reviews, what the community's saying about it, not just the Mac sites or the iPhone sites, but the gaming sites out there that I follow. Okay. Um, I want to make sure, because quite honestly, guy, I've spent a lot of money on my iPhone apps now. Most of them have been ninety nine cent, but when you buy, you know, fifty or sixty of them, that starts adding up after a while. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden your PayPal account, you know, you're out of a hundred bucks. You're like, geez, what did I buy? Just a bunch of stuff on the iPhone. Well, I I want to be a little bit more frugal. I want to wait to make sure a game is worth the money. Yeah, it's only eight bucks, but it's my eight bucks, and I want to make sure that I'm not going to waste on something that I'm only going to play a couple times. Just like the segment we had last week. Was that last week or the week before? Which one? Um, about the, the game. Yeah, it was last week. Mm-hmm. Last week about you know all the different stuff on the iPhone, and seventy five percent of everything that you buy is basically tossed out. Right. I, and if you spend eight and eight or nine dollars, you don't want it sitting there not used at all. You know. Exactly. So that's why you know if it was ninety nine cent, I would have bought it, and with the ability to unlock the rest of the levels, just click a button within the game. Yes, buy the rest of it for you know seven ninety nine. Honestly, okay. I think that they could probably charge more. Using that method, right now the game is seven ninety nine. If they had it so you can download it for ninety nine cent, and if you like it, you upgrade it to seven ninety nine. Boom! That's an easy sale for them if the game and is good. It, it right. does also bring in a lot of options to the developers as well to be able to sell in game accessories, you know, uh, you know, clothing, the things that you would do within a game or within some other application. There's a, there's a lot of leeway there for the developers to now. Uh, be able to monetize what they're doing with their app. So it's a it's a big boon for the developers as well. Owen Rubin is a contributor at MyMac.com. He'll be on next week's show, by the way. He's asking in our Ustream chat room, does anybody know if the 3.0 release allows for more than 160 apps? Uh, I don't know, but I, I would ask Owen, why do you need 160 apps on your iPhone? <laughs> I've got a whole lot of apps for my iPhone, but I only sync it with the ones that I'm actually using. If I stop using something very often, I'll just delete it off the iPhone. It's still in my iTunes. I can still put it back on there anytime I want want to just by syncing it up again. But I just don't keep a lot of stuff on my iPhone simply because 
I don't like sitting there switching between the applications, the screen after screen after screen. Yeah, it's not intuitive. It's it not intuitive not. to get to the to the get applications, and that's something I'm hoping that Apple is working on uh, in the organization and the intuitiveness of how you get to your applications and other screens. You know, that was kind of a neat effect right there, Mark. We got a little. Uh, <laughs> he said. I, 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 app- in your other screen. That was kind of neat. Uh, a couple of the like other that? things. Voice memo is going to be part of the uh, 3.0. Now, that will work with an iPhone's built-in microphone, or if you're on an iPod Touch, you can mm-hmm. use a microphone. And, of course, you can use a, an, an external microphone with the iPhone as well. Uh, system-wide spotlight searching, that'll be pretty good. And, finally, um, landscape keyboard and everything. That ought to be really nice. Oh, yeah. I, I really enjoy it. It's so much it's a, it's so difficult to type in the in the the standard portrait mode you know everything's kind of pushed together getting your fingers in the right spot hitting the right key and then you know you send off a mail if you've typed rather quickly and you know you look at it and you go what the hell did i just say there you know yep and, absolutely and when you put it in the landscape mode i can really it spreads fly it on out that a one. little bit absolutely yeah. and it's it's more intuitive i think although i am used to the other way now because <laughs> most applications don't support landscape so that is the iphone 3.0 software <clears throat> it's going to be released to us mere mortals sometime this summer uh, i'm sure i'll update the day that it comes out hopefully yeah. we won't have the same kind of problem that they have with the iphone 2.0 software that it released the same day that the iphone 3g came out a lot of people tried to update uh it killed their phone for a couple hours until the software actually was able to be downloaded uh, hopefully apple has learned from their mistakes i'm going to assume that they have and uh, I'm looking so. forward to it. So we'll be right back with the uh, same three guys, me, Mark, Guy. We're going to be talking about something that's on every single map, but I think a lot of people overlook, especially new users. And it's the System Profiler. We'll be right back. And we're back. We want to thank our advertiser for the show, our sponsor, MacSales.com. You know, Guy, a lot of people used to ask me all the time how I connected microphones up to my Macintosh. And, I, you know, I could have gone USB microphone. In fact, that's what you have sure. right now, isn't it, Mark? You have a USB yeah. microphone. Yeah, I have an MXL Studio One yep. USB. It sounds pretty mm-hmm. good, too. Um, yeah. The microphones that I have are all XLR which means I have to supply them with phantom power. But yet, how do I do that and still use these mics on a Macintosh? Uh, About three years ago, four years ago now, I guess, maybe even almost five, (laughs) uh, we went with a a solution from M-Audio, and it's called a Mobile Pre USB. It allows you to control the volume and inputs going from the XLR microphones that I'm using that needs phantom power it, it lets you go route through the mobile pre USB and then back out via USB to your computer. So you get the power that you need. You get a really nice microphone uh, and you can actually control it a little bit. Now it's just, it's for instance, and this is a little complicated. I had to somehow route the audio coming out of my computer out of the computer and then back into the computer. So I could pump what you guys are hearing on the Ustream out there, the people in the Skype call the only way I could do that was with the mobile pre-USB, an audio splitter, and a headphone jack. 
I'll leave it up to uh, the listener's imagination how that works. But it does. <laughs> it does work. <laughs> and it also it allows me to record their side of the conversation directly into GarageBand instead of using an, an outside application like Audio Hijack Pro to record the Skype audio and then myself into GarageBand and then trying to combine the two. Right. We, and we had problems in the past, Guy. You've heard that, where uh, they became out of sync a little bit, and it just sounded yeah. horrible. And I missed it in final edit. It's easy well, to do. because the the only way you could have caught it... Listen to the whole to show. Listen through the whole show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Which just always I thought those were, your, were the homage to the, uh, you know, the, the old uh, martial art movies. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. My Kung Fu is better than your Kung Fu. So the M-Audio Mobile Pre USB, it's not cheap. It is 150 bucks. But if you're thinking about podcasting and you want to use high-quality microphones that need phantom power... This is probably one of the very best solutions that you can get, especially for that price. Exactly. If you go up to MacSales.com and just do a quick search for Mobile Pre USB, you will find it. They've got it for 150 bucks there. I'll put a direct link into it for show notes, uh, 232. So we want to thank them for sponsoring this week's show. Hey, guys, let's we, talk about... We love the other world computing. Absolutely. Exactly. Let's talk about the system profiler. This is something that is on every Mac. And, you know, every time I talk to a new user and I try to figure out exactly which machine they have, they don't even realize there's a way for them to find out, and it's very easy and very intuitive. When's the last yeah, the time system. you guys actually use a system profiler? I actually oh, I use, use mine use all, all the time. time. All the time, okay. yeah. So let me, uh, for those who don't know, the, the easiest way to get to it is if you go up to your Apple menu in the upper left-hand corner of your screen and you go down to About This Mac very first choice. Very first choice. This little thing will come up, and it will tell you what version of the Mac OS you're running. For me, for instance, right now it's 10.5.6. Right. There's a button underneath that that says Software Update, but we don't care about that right now. Mm-mm. The very bottom button says More Info. If you click that More Info, and I'm doing that right now on my system, it actually brings up the System Profiler. This is where all the information that anybody that needs to work on your Mac or if you need to upgrade stuff on your Mac and you need to know exactly which machine you have, this is where you go to get it. It's going to tell you how big your hard drive is, how many hard drives you have connected to it, um, and more important for a lot of people, what RAM you have in that machine. So mm-hmm. what do you guys use yours for the most part for, Guy? Uh, for me, it's it's usually just to do a quick little check to see, because you know, I have a, a an older 2.16 iMac, and I'm limited to uh, three gigs of RAM. And every once in a while, I'll sit there, oh, did I upgrade my RAM? Did I? Didn't I? And, you know, quick look at System Profiler. I can see exactly what type of Mac I have, the processor, number of cores, L2 cache, memory, everything. It was right here. Yep. And it works really well. What about you, Mark? I'll tell you, one of the, the great features of the System Profiler that I use is the under software at the bottom, applications. Uh, if you want to get some detailed information about your version uh, for whatever application you have on your system, the last date you mo- modified it, um, you know what type of application it is, those are things you don't just get by selecting the applications menu on your desktop. And no, so, because it hides I, a lot of information from yeah, there. Yeah, it hides all that. So if you need to know what version of something you're running, this is a great place to go and get that information. Unfortunately, I just clicked mine, and I've got so many applications on my machine. <laughs> That I, yeah. I'm getting the the beach ball. I don't think it's actually frozen. I think it's just taking a while to dig through that information. Well, it's yeah. not. It's not like your machine is doing anything else. No, absolutely not. It should be speedy <laughs> fast right now. Um, 
this works with every Mac that's out there, and they've had something like the System Profiler going back years and years on the Macintosh. I remember seeing something like this when I had my old Mac Plus running the System 6. Absolutely. It's been around a long time. You know, one of the things that I like to use it for is you can find out, like, for instance, which printers are connected to your Mac. A lot of times you go into the printer utility, you don't get to see everything. At least that seems to be the problem with me. Um, this application will tell me quickly. It will tell you what graphics you got. Like, for instance, if you're looking for a game and it says that you need 256 megabytes on a graphic card and you don't know if you have that, this application will tell you, which yep. I have, by the way, mine has a ATI Radeon HD 2600 with 256 megabytes of RAM. Right. You just hit graphics and displays. It'll tell you It'll tell you the, uh, the chipset. It'll tell you how much RAM it has, who the vendor was, device number, all it, kinds of stuff. It, absolutely. And even more, in my case, Guy, I have two monitors hooked up to this iMac, the, obviously the built-in monitor, but I also have a 23-inch cinema display. Right. It I've shows me that as well. Chaser. Yep. And it, and and it shows, it. yeah, and, and it says, you know, it's hardware accelerated, it's 32-bit color, 1920 by 1200, exactly the same as I'm running on the main monitor. It just works great. It's really, it, really nice. It's a wonderful yeah. diagnostic tool, you know, and for, particularly for anybody who likes to get a little geeky and get under the hood a little bit. You can really look and find uh, some of the more detailed information about your computer by just going over to the system profiler and just kind of poking around a little bit. You know, on my, I had a G5. I'm sorry, maybe this was a G4. I think this was a G4, and I had a USB. Uh, the internal USB just died on the machine. It just would not work at all anymore. And I couldn't figure out why everything I was plugging into this wasn't working. So I fired up um, the system profiler, and I went to USB, and it said there was nothing there, which told me that it was dead on the motherboard. I put in a, a $25 um Card USB two card, right? Well, no, it was a it was a uh, SCSI card, I think, or no, it was a PCI card. Yeah, and uh, I plugged it in, and boom, it saw that USB just fine. So I knew at that point, well, there's the problem. Um, and it was kind of interesting because on that machine, I had to plug in uh, a keyboard. <laughs> well, how do you do that if the USB is shot? Right. Uh, right. I had Bluetooth, so I got lucky. <laughs> but otherwise, it's like, well, what do I do? So, but. You know, if you guys haven't looked at your system profiler yet, do so. It'll refresh your memory on what your machine has. It will tell you how much RAM you have. It will tell you what hard drive's in there. And it'll give you all the information that you're going to need if someone needs to work on your machine. Otherwise, you know, it, it doesn't say iMac version 5 on your machine. So when someone asks you, what iMac do you have? If you're not real versed in exactly which version of the iMac you have, it, you can't really tell. Well, I've got a 20-inch right. screen iMac. Well, you know, there was four yeah. or five of those. Which one do you have? Uh, I, I don't know. How do I tell? Well, how do you tell? You go to About This Mac, uh, and that will tell you the speed of your machine. But if you go to System Profiler, more info. Tell you everything else. Tells you everything that you're going to need to know. So You know, what, I, what I've always found with it is that whenever I buy my new computer, you know, whenever that is, and take it out of the box, first thing I do when I open it up, take it out, fire it up, I go into the hardware tab of the system profiler, and I just see if if what it says on the box is is in that computer is actually in that computer. Absolutely, and, uh, that's kind of like a little thing that I do, a little test. Mm -hmm. Yep. It, you know, I want to make sure that what I bought is what I have. Exactly. Yep. In fact, now Windows Windows also does something like this, but it's not nearly as elegant. It's it's actually kind of clunky and and not easy at all to find. That's right. But we we don't even care about Windows, so you know, heck with them. <laughs> 
like always, but, Apple puts their nice intuitive right. touch on the software but you know, and makes it easy to get to. If you're if you're thinking about running Windows on your Mac and you're not sure if you've got enough hard drive space or you're not sure if you have enough RAM on your machine to do it, that's a quick way to find out really easily. Oh, yeah. So we're going to uh, sign off from this segment. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about a brand new product from Apple. Ooh, what could it be? I don't know. And we're back for the final segment on uh, this week's podcast, number 232. Make sure you guys go up to our iTunes page and give us a review. If we haven't done so already, we'd really appreciate it. So last thing we're going to talk about this week, guys, brand new product from Apple, the iPod Shuffle. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I usually, I, you know, this is like one of the very first times in a long time that a, a product has come out from Apple that I look at and I go, eh. Um, I I just don't know what to think about this. It's a, still at the same price point. It's seventy nine nine or <laughs> seventy nine dollars. It's four right. gigabytes. Well, they um, didn't. Wasn't wasn't the uh, the old high end shuffle two gigabytes? Um, right. they, yes. They've increased the memory, but and it's a lot smaller. Yeah, a lot smaller. But it's just a piece of metal now. I understand Apple wants things that are elegant. And I understand that I've read the stuff that Steve Jobs doesn't like buttons. Right. But I, you know what, guys? I, I, My opinion only, and this is an opinion based on not having even touched one yet. No, I haven't seen one yet either. This is taking, uh, taking it a little bit too far. This is putting form over function. Um, you have iPod to, Pacino. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know yet already, I'm pretty sure most of the people listening to this podcast do. There's no buttons at all on the iPod Shuffle now. None. Nope. To, to, control it, to control it, you have to have the little doohickey on your uh, headphones to pause, to play, to skip back to a song, to skip to the next song. Volume. Volume, everything. I think this is a really poor design, and I think that Apple isn't very confident in this product either because if you go up on their website, they're still selling the other iPod Shuffle. Exactly. On the uh, same you page? Know, uh, I haven't checked prices, but I don't know. You know, it to me, it it is. Um, they're clearly trying to go for the smallest possible piece of silicone that they can fit in that little uh, compartment. I mean, you can basically see that it was built around the three and a half inch jack. You know, to be able to fit that jack on there, and uh, so it it's very sp- tiny. It's very small. It 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 looks pretty sexy in terms of the, the the smallness of it but the the choice to kind of move everything to the headset which is going to be a lot flimsier and wondering you know what you know so when that breaks you know, you've got to go buy a more expensive headset come back and control and you can't get into any of your stuff nope you're so, you're stuck there yeah so then and then they've added a new technology this voiceover technology which you're supposed to be able to kind of uh, you know, get information back from the shuffle. You know, that's going to tell you your song. You're, it's going to be able to tell you the different playlists that you can do. So they've they've added a few more features, multiple playlists, and things of that nature. So so that's good. But I, at what cost? You know. Well, the the, the whole thing with with voiceover is I I you know considering that that this is this is a device that most people are going to use when they're working out or doing something else with their hands. 
you know, what is really the point of having an iPod with no screen that you can't just click a button and go to the next track? And who cares what the next track is? Because it's it's simply set up for you and your workout or, or you and your whatever. I really don't want to have this thing talk to me. I've got you know I've, I've got this this new car with Microsoft Sync, and I'll hit the button to try to pick something up, and it doesn't work like it does in the commercials. It's kind of a pain in the neck. I'll I'll tell it one thing, and it comes up with something else. But I, I was really kind of hoping when I first heard about this that Apple was going to have like a little built-in microphone, so that when you hit the button, it's listening for you to say go to next track or raise volume or or whatever. Now that would have been cool. That would have made it cool. By the way, the uh, last generation iPod Shuffle, only available in one gigabyte for $49. Which so, is a good deal. <laughs> it's absolutely, I would rather, yes, it's one quarter of the amount of space, but I, I don't know. No buttons. You're not, just, you're, not, you're not buying this unit as your primary uh, iPod. iPod. You're, you're no. buying it for a very specific reason, to go out running or t- to do some type of errand that you might be you know, undertaking. And so you don't need necessarily four gig you don't necessarily you're not going to put video on the sucker obviously no. so you know you you know with one gig you can fit enough music to do most things that you're going to do out for the day or out for half a day you can do pretty much anything i i think going back to this voiceover uh, real quickly you know i think this was apple's attempt to try and make you know a lot of people uh complained that they couldn't easily get to you know put multiple playlists on the on the uh, shuffle they couldn't do some of the things that they could with the others so this was apple's attempt to try and give them that opportunity, um, we'll see how it works out for everybody. I, I, I'm not too sure uh, if it's going to have the sell uh, legs that the earlier shuffle did. Well, you can get it uh, through the Apple Store for seventy nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Free shipping on orders over fifty bucks, and you get free laser engraving <laughs> on all sure. new iPod models. So I don't know. I, you know, here's the thing: if you bought one and you used it for more than a day. Uh, the controls on the headphones would be intuitive for you. You would just know how to do it. This right. is going to be a learning curve. But I don't know. I I just see this as form over function, and that kind of bothers me. Um, I, I I just don't know what to make of this new iPod Shuffle. I want to like it. It's an Apple product. I'm an Apple fanboy. But I don't know. For 80 bucks for this thing, it doesn't even have a button on it. It just doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I look, I'm looking at the refurb pages, and you can get... A third gen iPod Nano for ninety nine bucks. So for twenty bucks more, you get a screen. Got, <laughs> you get twice the amount of storage. You've got a two inch screen, and you and you know, uh, iSticks, who I, I I reviewed their products recently, has that that cool little case for it with the magnets, to where you can use the third gen or the fourth gen iPod Nano, and stick it anywhere you want. And 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 it's not like we're talking a huge difference in the amount of weight between a Nano. And a shuffle. Absolutely. Right. If a nano is dragging you down, you need to work out more than you think. (laughs) Well, and and listen to this, you know, kind of ensuring this whole thing up. Remember how many people complained about, you know, tossing, accidentally tossing their previous generation shuffle uh, in the trash or it getting lost in the wash or wherever? I mean, this one's even smaller. So what do you think is going to happen to this one? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know, guys. It's one of those things that I I just, I, I really want to like it. But there's not a whole lot there to like. Exactly. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I do want to say that we have a new email address. If you guys want to email the show, 
Um, the new address is feedback at mymac.com. Simply send all your feedback to the show, to the guys, to that address, and uh, everybody will get it, and we'll all comment on it and make fun of you later. So Way cool. Exactly. <laughs> it'll be, and it'll have, be our pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. We do have some uh, feedback to go through, but it's going to have to wait for a little bit because uh, we're really – I know everyone's looking at their iPod thinking, well, you guys have only been on a little over a half hour, but we're actually way late on time on recording the show, and uh, we have a very tight schedule, so we have to wrap up the show this week. It's going to be a short one. Next week, we're going to have uh, FileMaker on the show. We're going to have Rick Kalman, and we're going to have Owen Rubin, and we're going to have John Nemo. So it should be a pretty fun show. You're going to be here too, aren't you, Guy? Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, maybe we'll get David Cohen in after all. So we will wrap up this week's show, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining me, guys. Oh, no problem. Thanks a lot, Tim. And again, Mark, you're our hero. Hey, man, I'm here. Mark the Hero. That's the name of the show this week. Mark the Hero. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to be here.